Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. I want to go over some things again of what we believe. I believe the Lord led me and uh, is leading us as a church to establish what we believe, not only so that we can disciple people from this platform, but the majority of the discipleship is gonna be where you live, where you are, in your workplace, in your school, in your families. But when I ask most people, I'll say, hey, are you making disciples? Have you ever made a disciple? They say, oh, I don't know how to make a disciple. You don't want me to make a disciple. I'll mess them all up. Well, that's what we wanna do. We wanna be able to break it down to, to establish uh, some things we believe. We broke it down into 10 subjects, 10 subjects of what we believe. And uh, today is number eight, and it's called, I Believe in Angels. Angels. Angels is a, is a big topic in the world that we live in today. The main point, the main thing that I want you to know, we're going to go through a series of questions. You don't need to look up the scriptures. They'll just be on the screen, but I do want, I would love for you to answer those. If you'd like a downloaded copy, we can make sure that we have those available actually on YouTube. Um, they'll just have a link on YouTube or on podcast. By the way, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube uh, or our podcast, would you just log on and subscribe? Uh, and we will make sure that uh, you get that as soon as uh, that you get the, anything that's brand new, okay? So the main point today is this. Angels are distinct from God, distinct from human, and they're all around us. I know some people say, I don't really have an interest in angels. Well, let me just tell you, angels are a big topic, and angels are a big part of our lives whether we know it or not. And I think you're going to see that afterwards. Um, we are... are we, we are spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. You'll hear me say that a bunch of times. We are a spirit. The real you is not a body. You can say, what do I look like today? Well, I can't see because I can't see your spirit. I can see your body. I can see the tent you live in, the outside of you. But you are a spirit. Because you're a spirit, we all have a natural craving to understand spiritual things. Uh, in fact, you look at things that are fleshly, and you say, well, they're superficial, you look at things that you're trying to figure out and you go, they're kind of hard to understand. But you, a spirit, you, you naturally crave spirit, spiritual things. That's why people today are into all kind of spiritual things. But, but it didn't start just lately. I remember when I was a kid, you know, there was the uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Anybody remember Casper? Maybe I'm dating you, but Casper, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Uh, you know, there are friendly ghosts, but let me tell you, um, those ghosts aren't the Holy Ghost, right? That, that's the friendly ghost, right? Casper the friend goes, I remember Bewitched. Remember Bewitched? <laughs> I dream of genie and they had all that, you know, kind of stuff. And then there's the whole craze of Harry Potter and there's Charmed and things, you know, that you just see in our world uh, through growing up. Sabrina, the teenage witch, remember that? I mean, even the witch is a teenager, right? And so people could naturally relate to that. I read an article last year. I think I shared it on a Tuesday night. Uh, uh, but they were saying one of the results of the COVID, the COVID pandemic uh, has been a massive interest in witchcraft. Witchcraft has just went to an all-time rise here in the last couple of years. Um, the practice, and quoting a couple of things from the article here, the practice of witchcraft is almost, it, it, it almost always increases when there's moments of social upheaval. In COVID pandemic and the subsequent lockdown, 
has resulted in a flourishing of modern witchcraft. On TikTok and Witch Talk, there's a, the communities have grown exponentially. Influencers are posting tarot, tarot card readings, manifestations, good luck spells that all their followers can watch at home where they are. As of this article back in 2021, the hashtag uh, Witch Talk uh, has received, had received 8.3 billion views at that time. Uh, and that was last year. It may be double by now. Uh, the hashtag Witch and Witchcraft and Witches of Italk or uh, of TikTok have received 8.9 billion views. There's a teaching element in the community that's going out about witchcraft and about, you know, just spiritual interest uh, under the hashtag baby witch where anybody new to the world of witchcraft can begin to learn about witchcraft and spells. And I don't know if you've just seen in, in, in stores, you know, through the Ouija boards and through the, uh, I wa I've walked into several bookshops and there's whole sections on the occult and witchcraft. Why are people interested in that? Because of good marketing? No, because we're spirit beings and we crave spiritual contact and people will get it by any means. That's why we need the presence of the Lord. People need the presence of the Lord. And if not, they're going to go look for an evil presence and other presence that are, that's out there. Instagram and Twitter, there's insta-witches that have gained traction through the pandemic, regular tarot card readings. Um, Wiccans are creating custom tarot card, tarot card sets. On Twitter, uh, witching, the witching community has expanded. On Zoom, they're holding online classes and conversations in order to learn witchcraft and be able to talk back and forth. On YouTube, some of the most popular witchcraft videos are how to mix potions uh, so that you can ban worry and reduce anxiety and reduce uh, stress. I know for some people who are out of touch without that, uh, with all those things may seem like, oh, that's just a, a little side community. No, it's not. It's becoming a very big thing for young people. It's becoming a very big thing. Why? We're hungry for the spirit world. But let me tell you, we have the spirit world living all around us. We're just unaware of it because we just, we're aware of what we can see. Today in this moment of uncertainty, people are seeking for answers. The Bible predicted that in the last days, there's people are going to be given over to witchcraft. People are going to be given over to sorcery. And people are going to have a hunger for the supernatural. So this is a subject that we need to be aware of. Today, I want to talk about angels. Uh, in the, I'm going to tell you a couple of quotes. Duffield and Van Cleve out of the Foundations of Pentecostal Theology, quote, quote, I quote this. He says that there are celestial beings that occupy a position that are distinct from God and humans that are out there and they're, and they're vast. A.T. Pearson described the state of these beings. He said, God is the all-presiding, all-pervading, uncreated spirit. Between God and man, there lies an interme intermediate realm inhabited by a higher order of intelligences. Meyer Perlman explained the nature of angelic beings in this way. He said, with lightning speed and noiseless movement, they pass from place to place. They inhabit the spaces of the air above us. Some we know, some we know to be concerned about our welfare and others are set to our harm. The inspired writers draw aside the curtain and give us a glimpse of this invisible world in order that we may be both encouraged and warned. The topic of angels, we should be encouraged, but we should also be warned 
People who seek to just see angels, let me tell you, you don't want to just see angels because they're not just good angels out there. There's fallen angels. There's evil angels as well. There's so many books. If you go to the bookstore and just look up the subject of angels, there's so many books on angels. Let me tell you, don't get your source just from the bookstore. The only authentic source of the spirit world needs to be scripture. It needs to be the Bible. The enemy speaks through other sources. Just to go learn about angels and go buy a book on angels, you're going to get into a big mess of things. In fact, if you have books that are on angels that, that aren't from the word of God, get rid of them. Throw them away. Why? The only authoritative source about angels would be through the scripture, through the Bible, through the word of God. Christians should learn all that the Bible says about angels, but not go beyond what's been revealed. If you say, oh, you won't find this in the Bible. Oh, the things that I know, you won't find in the Bible. No, you want to get rid of those things. Why? Because they're misleading and they'll eventually, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. It's misleading. More information is not what we need. By the way, Adam and Eve ate of the tree to get more information, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. More information is not what you need. You need revelation. You need to know what, what God says about things. We can see the importance of angels in the word of God because in the Old Testament, angels were mentioned 108 times. In the New Testament, angels were mentioned 165 times. All over the word, there's, there's things about angels. The study of angelology, angelology, which is, you know, ology is the study of, it would involve normally three things. You'll see this in many places. It, it would be the study of angels, which would be good angels. Uh, it would be the study of evil angels, which would be demons or fallen angels. And then there would be, that would be demonology. And then there would be satanology, which would be, of course, the study of Lucifer, who was once a great angel created by God. And those three things as we study them. Today, I'm just going to talk about holy angels, okay? <laughs> you might say, I don't want to talk about the rest. No, you want to know about the rest as well, and we're going to talk about that next week. But the Bible uses the word angel as spirit beings, which covers good angels, evil, uh, fallen angels, and also Satan is an angel. In fact, in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 7, Revelation 12, 7, it says, and a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels, notice that Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. So when the Bible talks about angels, don't just think they're all good angels. They're Michael and his angels, the dragon and his angels. Be careful, again, having a strong desire to see angels. The Bible says that even Satan comes as an angel of light and can come and deceive people. We see whole cults that have been created because of an angel that came and visited. And we have to be aware of those things. So today we're going to talk about holy angels. Somebody say, holy angels. Right, holy angels. Okay, we're, that's what we're going to talk about. So... Uh, who created angels, okay? And we're going to find all these answers out of the word. Who created angels? Well, angels were created beings. They, did, they have not existed eternally. God, just because they're spirit doesn't mean that they've existed eternally. God wasn't created. He, was a, it, he is eternal. Has, was, is, always will be. But they were created. The scripture says that God created the heavenly angel hosts. And I'm just going to refer to these and I'll go through these quickly. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 6. It says, you alone, Lord, you've made the heaven, the heavens with all their host. Psalm 148 verse 2. It says, praise him, all you angels. Praise him, 
all his hosts. And then down in verse 5, it says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded that they be created. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created. It says, That are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. While angels would be part of the invisible things that were created. God created all things. So who created angels? God did. What kind of beings are angels? Well, angels are spirits. Angels don't have flesh and bones. Uh, They don't have physical bodies like humans, of course. Uh, Psalm 104, it says that, verse 4, it says, God who makes his angels spirits. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it says, are they not all ministering spirits? And then in Luke Uh, remember Jesus said when when he came back and he didn't have a glorified body yet or he had a glorified body, he said, and a spirit does not have flesh and bones as as you see. So spirits don't have flesh and bones. They don't have bodies. They're disembodied spirits. They're they're apart from a body. They exist in a freer relation uh, relationship to time and to space than humans because they're not locked in. They're not limited to a body. So what kind of beings are, are... Angels, they're spirits. Yeah, should we ever worship angels? And I think you know the answer to that. What is that? Some suggest uh, even that they're invisible because if they were visible, maybe we'd have a tendency to worship them because of all the great things they do because we see that in the Bible. But uh, Scripture warns against humans worshiping angels. You see, sometimes people go, oh, I just think, I praise God for the angel that's such an, I praise the angel that this. You can thank God for the angel, but don't, don't worship the angel. Uh, scripture warns against humans doing that. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 18, it says, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels. We as human beings are called to worship the creator, God, and only God, not the creature, it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Angel worship is a practice of Gnostic heresy, G-N-O-S-T-I-C, heresy, that even angels spoke against. Uh, In the book of Revelation, both chapter 19 and verse 22, it says, and I fell to worship him. See, when, when, when you begin to see signs and wonders and mighty things that are done, your natural tendency would be to worship them because they're a higher power. But it says, when I fell to worship them, uh, he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant. Worship him. And he goes on and says the same thing in the chapter in, in Revelation 22. So we should never worship angels. Do angels ever assume the form of humans or manifest reality. In other words, people actually have seen angels. Yes, absolutely, you see it in multiple places. Uh, uh, In fact, you know, well, angels have on numerous occasions, they've assumed the form of human bodies. Uh, Let me give you a couple of examples. Mary, when she came to the tomb after Jesus uh, was put in the tomb and she was weeping, uh, the Bible says in John 20, 12, that she looked and she saw two angels that were in white sitting. Well, those weren't just the, her favorite disciples. No, those were actual angels that she saw sitting, and uh, they, they were in the form of, of human, they, but she could tell they were angels somehow. An angel broke Peter out of prison. Remember when Peter was in prison and the church prayed for him? It says in Acts chapter 12, Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him and a light shone in the prison and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up. An angel woke Peter up 
And when he touched him, he said, the Bible says that his chains fell off. And he told Peter, come on, get up, put on your clothes and get out of here. An angel broke him out of prison. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 13, and this is something for all of us. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, it says, do not forget to entertain strangers. He says, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. What does that mean? It means sometimes you think you're, you're doing good for someone. You don't, make sure you do. You don't know if somehow that might be an angel. I believe, I know there was at least a couple of occasions in my life where I, there was a, a point where I was in an emergency situation and someone showed up. Uh, I found the answer uh, and, and they, I got the answer to what I needed, and all of a sudden, I can't say they disappeared, but I didn't know who they were. They were gone, and I, something in me said, I know they could be an angel. Now, I can't prove that. I still can't prove that, and maybe they were, maybe they weren't, but I do believe that there's situations that we'll look back in our life and realize that angels bailed you out. Do angels marry, die, or multiply themselves? Well, it says in Luke chapter 20, uh, uh, it points out this, but angels are limited in number. They're not a propagating race. They're not one who be fruitful and multiply or anything. God at one time created a certain amount of angels, however many there may be, and that's what they're limited to. Angels don't die. Angels don't multiply. They don't procreate. However many angels there were when he first created them is how many angels there were now according to what we can see in the Bible. So there's no increase or decrease to their numbers. Jesus answered and he said, the sons of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, nor can they die anymore for they're equal to angels and the sons of God being the sons of the resurrection. You know, the Bible talks about the sons of God, but the Bible never mentions sons of angels. Why? Because angels don't reproduce. Angels are someone that some, some or people, uh, 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 spirits that God created. Let's move on. How does the Bible speak of angels in terms of size? In other words, are there just a few angels <laughs> or are there a lot of angels out there? Well, let me just give you a couple of examples. By the way, again, we're not going to go through, you know, two, two or three hundred scriptures. We're just going to, I'm just giving you the feature ones on this, okay? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. Uh, it says this, Hebrews says, but you have come to Mount Zion in the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable, com innumerable company of angels. Many scriptures speak about the great amount of angels. When they see angels, they're like, wow, look at all the angels. Like you'd, like you'd see those, uh, those pictures of those concerts of uh, Lulapalooza or, or like the, the old concerts where you'd see these the massed amount of people or that you see these crusades and you say there's a quarter of a million people or a million people on there. When people speak of angels, they'll say there's so many. It's innumerable amount. Remember at Jesus' arrest, he says, or do you not think that I cannot, I cannot now pray my father and he'll provide me more than 12 legions of angels? He's saying there's a lot right here at my disposal. It's not because I need, you know, I can't defend myself or I don't have capacity. Revelation speaks of angels in Revelation 5, uh, 11. It says, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. So let me say, uh, tell you, uh, if you need angels to help, God's not like, you know, he's not lacking. 
He has plenty of capacity. There's lots of angels. He created plenty of them. Where do angels live? Where do angels live? Well, while angels are depicted as ministering to the saints on God's behalf, their main place that they live is in the heaven, is in heaven, in the heavenlies. That's the main, that's where their abode would be, okay? Luke chapter 2, verse 13, it says, and suddenly there was an angel in the multitude and the heavenly hosts saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, it says, for in the resurrection, they'll neither marry nor given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. Um, Jesus told Nathanael when he was speaking, he said, you also see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus told, used the phrase the angels in heaven in Mark chapter 13, verse 32. Paul used the word the angels from heaven. Scripture suggests that angels have a special place to dwell in heaven. Jude addressed the issue and said the angels who did not keep their proper domain, they had a proper, they had a place in heaven. I don't know if it was in the servants' quarters or what it is, but they have, or they have free reign. But they have a place in heaven, and the Bible says that they didn't keep their proper domain. From the following scriptures, I want you to describe the, uh, some attributes and personalities uh, that angels have. By the way, the reason why we're doing these questions and we have some scriptures is because it allows you to disciple someone else. It allows you to look up those scriptures and be able to take someone else, someone who comes and says, I want to tell you all about angels. You could say, that's great. Afterwards, can I tell you about angels as well? Because there are a lot of scriptures about them, Okay. Uh, angels possess the features of personality. They have individual personalities. It's not just like you have an angel personality. They have individual personalities. One is they're rational beings. It says in uh, 2 Samuel 14, 20, my Lord is wise according to the wisdom of the angel of God to know everything that's on the earth. Angels are inquisitive. They, they seek to understand things. In 1 Peter 1, 12, it says things which angels desire to look into. Uh, angels render intelligent worship. They're not just like holy, 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 and you think they're, that's because they don't have any, you know, anything else to express. They render intelligent worship. It says, praise him, all you angels. Praise him, all of you hosts. And there's many verses about the praises of and from angels. Uh, angels possess emotion. You remember where Jesus said in Luke chapter 15, verse 10, he says that when one returns to Christ or comes to the Lord, that there's more joy in heaven. There's emotion that angels have. Angels are moral beings. In other words, they can make decisions of right and wrong, and they're rewarded according to it. We do see in places in the Bible, it says... Uh, that they have the ability to know to do right and wrong, and they've been rewarded for their obedience and punished for their disobedience. In uh, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it says, For God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment. So angels have personalities. Uh, what type of angel is Michael? Do you know that there were only two angels in the Bible that were given names? It was Michael and Gabriel. Michael and Gabriel, they're the two names. Uh, but what type of angel was Michael? Um, in Jude chapter 9, or Jude, excuse me, 9, there's only one chapter, verse 9, Jude's letter states, yet Michael the archangel, Michael's an archangel. It's the only uh, angel in the Bible that was called an archangel. 
And other people can say, well, this was an archangel and this was an archangel. Well, they might be, but the Bible only speaks of uh, Michael as an archangel. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil. Here, Michael, uh, Michael is, Michael, I almost said Michelangelo, Michael Archangel. It almost sounds like an owl. That was a bad joke. Okay, I'll just move right on. Michael is called an archangel. He's the only one. At the second coming of Christ, the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, the Bible says. And whose voice will be heard? Well, it says, uh, for the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of an archangel with the trumpet of God. Well, if Michael was the only one who we see as an archangel, it could very well be his voice that... uh, that was spoken. By the way, the name Michael means uh, who is like God. It also uh, is known, he's known with warring capabilities. As I referred to the scripture a little bit earlier in the book of uh, Revelation, it says a war broke out and Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and his angels. So he has warring capabilities. Gabriel was also the other angel, and I won't give you too much on Gabriel, but uh, Gabriel signifies the mighty one. It, he's, it's never signifying the mighty one, that's what it means, but he's never designated as or listed in the Bible as an archangel, okay? He's mentioned four times in scripture and it's always of someone who comes and brings good news, bears good tidings about something that God has purposed on the earth. Gabriel's position uh, was one, and as self-stated, that he said, I'm one who stands in the presence of God. And so Gabriel was someone who's in the presence of God. Describe the angels' relationship. We're going to talk about angels' relationships with God, angels' relationship with Christ, and angels' relationship with the believer. And you'll want to know about all these, okay? The, the relationship with God. Angels worship and praise God. It says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, that they say, Worthy is the Lamb to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Uh, so we know that they worship God. Uh, angels also brought God's law to people. He brought, he, they bring the word of God to people. We see in Acts chapter 7, verse 53, it says, Who have received the law by the dictation of angels and have not kept it. Hebrews says that the word was spoken through angels. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 2. Another thing angels do besides worship and bring the word, angels execute judgment. They enforce the law, so to speak, or they enforce what God says uh, upon uh, enemies. It says in Acts chapter 12, verse 23, immediately the angel of the Lord struck him because he didn't give glory to God and he was eaten with worms and died. The angel showed up. So don't just pray for angels. (laughs) He might say, there's times you don't want the angel. (laughs) Um, Angels will gather. By the way, we don't need to be afraid of angels. We're under the blood of Jesus. Somebody say thank you. Okay. Angels will gather together God's elect at Christ's second coming. It says in Matthew chapter uh, 24, verse 30, and he will send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds. Angels will also assist God in administering judgment in the last days. I think that's why in the last days you're going to hear more and more about angels it's kind of good to know about right now so that when they show up, you, you say, yeah, I've learned about those. It says in Matthew chapter 13, verse 30, it says, let us grow together until the harvest at the time of the harvest. And I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in the bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, who's an angel. It says, but the harvest at the end of the age, the reapers are the angels. The reapers are the angels, so they actually um, administer God's judgment. 
Describe the angels now in relationship to Christ, to Christ Jesus. There's 15 references concerning the angels and Jesus or concerning the angels and, and who Jesus was in his assignment here on earth. The birth of Jesus, forerunner, John the Baptist, uh, an angel showed up and announced John's, to John's father, he was announced by an angel in Luke chapter 1. Uh, Mary, uh, Jesus' mother, an angel showed up to Mary and was informed by Gabriel that she was going to be the mother of Jesus. I want you to notice who did it. God could have sent people. He sent angels to do it. Angels ministered to Jesus when he was in the wilderness of temptation. The Bible says that angels ministered to him in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. An angel from heaven strengthened Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22. Jesus had the authority to ask, remember we, we read it earlier, but ask the Father when they showed up to arrest him uh, that night. He said, I was with you every day. Why are you bringing all these people with swords and clubs and all this? He said, this is interesting. Don't you know that I could have called down 12 legions of angels? It's interesting, 12 legions. A legion is 6,000. Okay. So 6,000 angels, if you said 12 legions, it would be 72,000 angels. In, in fact, in the book of Isaiah, it says that one angel on one night slew 185,000 people. Which means that if you took 12 legions of angels that he called back, in one night they could wipe out 13 billion people. He's saying, don't you know that I have plenty of capacity to defend myself with angels, but, but I'm not doing this because I have no defense, Right? What did he say? He said, but no, I'm basically, I'm giving my life. You don't put away the swords and the, and the clubs. You too, Peter. <laughs> An angel rolled back the stone in the door. Remember that? After, the, after he was buried. Uh, now, let's describe, this is what I would say is most important for us. Describe uh, angels in relationship to believers. Because I know we all want to know, well, what do angels have to do with me? Come on, like, what, what, is this irrelevant or is it relevant? Well, one of the most important scriptures I think we can find is in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. It says, are they not all ministering spirits, that would be the good angels, sent forth to minister, notice, for those who will inherit salvation? Do you know that you have angels that are sent forth to minister for you? You don't think you need babysitting? You got some angel sitting. He's taking care of you. Angels are being taken. Angels are watching over you a lot more than you know. Okay, so uh, describe the relationship that we have. Well, clearly that we see. You know, some some people will say, as they say with anything. Well, once Jesus left, the apostles left, the ministry of angels left. Well, clearly we say in, see in Hebrews it says they are ministering angels sent forth those who will will minister for those. So the the the. The activity of angels is inactive. It's not something in the past. It's something that's happening. Today, angels are in this room today. Angels are with you as you drive. Some of you need more angels driving than other angels, than other people. Let me tell you a few things that angels do, and I'm just naming a few. Well, in Psalm 91, we see, but angels protect and guard humans from harm. It says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they'll bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. In other words, lest you even stub your toe. Angels will, will take care of you. Uh, angels deliver humans from their enemies. It says in uh, Psalm 34, the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. You know what that means? It means when you go to sleep at night, an angel stays awake. And what is he doing? He set up camp right next to you to make sure that you're okay. 
so you don't have to worry about it. Angels encourage individuals in extreme trials when you're going through something. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, it says, When Elijah was fleeing from the threats of Jezebel, he laid and slept under a juniper tree, and then an angel came and touched him and said, Get up and eat. I like that angel. (laughs) He didn't say get up and fast. He said get up and eat something. Uh, Angels give wisdom and guidance. They give wisdom and guidance in Matthew chapter 1. You remember when Joseph, after he heard that his wife was pregnant and he was just engaged to her and he thought, how is this going to look? Like this doesn't look too good. Well, it says Joseph was perplexed that when he learned that Mary was pregnant, and he, resolved, uh, and he resolved to divorce her secretly. It's interesting. Uh, they were engaged, but that was like committed. And he's saying, I need to get away from this. But it says, but while he thought about these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Spirit. And he gave him wisdom on what to do. You know, uh, if God has to send an angel to even show you what to do, he'll do it, right? He needed to keep things. Do you know that angel, we even see an instance where angels was sent out to find a spouse? You say, really? I'm going to show that to you. Genesis chapter 24, I'm going to read it out of the message in verse 40. It says, and he said, God, before whom I have walked faithfully, will send his angel with you, and he'll make things work out so that you'll bring back a wife for my son from my family, and from the house of my father. He's saying, man, you're not too desperate that even if God has to throw an angel in there, he can get an angel in there and get you a wife or get you a husband. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Okay. (laughs) Um, Another role of angels is they escort a person who's dying, passing from this life to uh, onto eternity. They escort a soul at death. It says in... uh, Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 22, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom, heaven, and the rich man died also. Sometimes people will say in the presence, in fact, I was talking to someone this week and they were saying before their loved one passed away, they began to see angels in the room. And they they had an understanding that maybe the angels were in the room because they were ready to, you know, like someone says, cars out front. (laughs) <laughs> cars out front, they're waiting. Some people say, no, get that car out of here. <laughs> I'm not ready to pass yet. But let me tell you, even God escorts you into heaven with his ministers. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Angels rejoice in salvation. We saw that in Luke chapter 15, that there's more joy in heaven. Angels learn from the church. Though angels are extremely wise, they're not omniscient. They, it's not, they don't know everything. In fact, it says in 1 Peter 1.12 that there's things which, uh, that, that there would be things that would be revealed to humans that even angels would want to look into, that angels would, would desire to look into. Uh, so what do angels respond to? I know that I'll hear people say, I just tell my angels, get up and make me bacon and eggs. No, <laughs> I just tell my angels, get up and do this or go do that. Now, let me tell you, angels don't respond to your words. Angels respond to God's words. Angels don't respond. You don't command your angels. I tell them to go do. I know there's books on commanding angels and stuff, and I do believe that we can send angels and do those things, but we need to use the words of God to do it. There's like code, right? It's called God's word to do it. It says, uh, uh, it says in Psalm 103, verse 20, in fact, remember this because you'll all need this. Psalm 103, verse 20, it says, Bless the Lord, you, his angels, who excel in strength. Notice this. Who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. We are never supposed to pray to angels. 
I prayed to my angel this morning. No, don't do that. You don't pray to, pray to angels. Uh, their ministry is, to, is directed on our behalf by the word of the Lord. And so as you begin to say, Lord, I'm going into a situation. I'm in the presence of God, and I thank you that you give your angels charge over me. Guess what happens? They stand up to attention, and, and they take care of you, right, because you said the word. Psalm 91 says this great promise of Psalm 91 it says, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. But I want you to notice, that's not to everybody. That scripture is not for everybody. It says, it actually starts the chapter by, it says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells in the secret place. He's saying, if you're living in the presence of God, under the shadow of God, under the shadow of the Almighty, what will he do? Well, one of the things he says is he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Um, in, actually, if you go down in verse 9 right before that, Nate, I'm ready for you. If you go to verse 9 right after that, it says, because you have made the Lord who is the most high your habitation. In other words, you didn't just visit the Lord, but you dwell in his presence. No evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling. For he's given his angels charge over you to keep you in all of your ways. You're abiding in the presence of God. So let me tell you, when you're afraid and you feel vulnerable to harm, whether it be you or whether it be your kids or whether it be your family. In fact, I think that's a prayer we should say over our family. We should say over our loved ones. We should say over our leaders every day, Lord, I thank you that they dwell in the presence of God. They dwell in the secret place and that no evil befalls them. No plague comes near their dwelling. Let me just encourage you, I think by even understanding about angels, it's important for us to stay close to God. I didn't have time to go over demons today and all that, but it's important for us to stay close to the presence of God, to the protection of the Lord. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.